Welcome to One Cause Church. We hope you enjoy this inspirational message. Two Kings chapter 4 verse 1, you can read with me. And then uh, we're going to go from there. Thank you, Father, for your word. So tonight is a night of impartation. We're going to import. Uh, I'm going to share just a little bit uh, of word with you, and then we're going to go into impartation. 2 Kings chapter 4 verse 1. He says, uh, the wife of a man from the company of the prophets cried out to Elijah, your servant, my husband, is dead, and you know that he revered the Lord, but now his, his creditor is coming to take my two sons as his slaves. Verse 2, Elijah replied to her, how can I help you? Tell me what do you have in your house? Your servant has nothing there at all, she said, except a small jar of olive oil. Verse 3, Elijah said, go around and ask all your neighbors for empty jars. Don't ask for just a few. Verse 4, then go inside and shut the door behind you and your sons. Pour oil into all the jars, and as each is filled, put it to one side. I want you just to picture this story. This woman is coming uh, to Elijah the prophet, and she's saying that, I need help. I need help. Help me. And then his response is, um, what do you have? I think this woman is thinking, well, I didn't come here to give something. I came here to receive something. I came to ask for help. Didn't you hear my prayer? Didn't you hear my request? <laughs> I need help. I'm in trouble. And so he looks at her and says, what do you have? Every miracle in our lives are set into motion with what we have. Every miracle. What God wants to do with you during this conference is being set into motion with what you have. Not what you're trusting God for, not what you're believing for, but what you have in your hands. With that, the breakthrough set into motion. And so this woman in obedience responded to that. Thank God. She didn't turn away. She responded, acted upon that. Often in our lives, we pray and we say, we say God, we need your help. We need a breakthrough. And then God starts to speak to us about what we have, and we forget what we asked for. The miracles don't, don't, are not set into motion because we don't respond to the flow of the Holy Spirit in our lives. A response is needed to set that motion, uh, that miracle into motion. Verse 5, she left him, and she shut the door behind her and her sons. They brought the jars to her, and she kept pouring. When all the jars were full, she said to her son, bring me another one. But he replied, there is not a jar left. Then the oil stopped flowing. Then the oil stopped flowing. Verse 5 starts and says, she left him and shut the door behind her and her sons. Whenever a miracle takes place, there is no limit to the size of that miracle. Whenever a miracle is set into motion, we determine the size of that miracle. We determine the level of that miracle that's about to happen. The prophet says to her, go and collect as many jars as you can. There's no limit. Go and borrow as many as you want to. But then shut the door. Close the door. And so it means that, that the level of faith that you had is now going to be met. Nothing above that. Nothing beyond that. The level of faith that you have. And so if the woman went and got 10 jars, that level is going to be met right now. If she went and she got 1,000 jars, that is the level that's going to be met now. 
And so he gave her opportunity. There's no limit. He said, go and get as many jars as you want. Go and, and step out in the faith that you have. And then come back and shut the door. Close the door. And so now it's time for the miracle to happen. The miracle started to happen when she put something into motion, when she started to pour the oil, in that moment, the miracle starts to happen. And suddenly it continues to flow and flow and flow until the last jar is full and then the miracle stopped. That miracle was put into motion by her stepping out and doing something. So even when all the jars were in the room and the little the oil were there, she had to step out and do something with that little oil. The miracle didn't start until she stepped out and started to do something. She said, all these jars, a little bit of oil, but then she started to pour. There's a momentum, there's a flow. When she starts to pour, now the miracle starts to take place. When Jesus prayed over the fish and uh, uh, the bread, then after he prayed, he gave it to the disciples and he said, now go out and hand it to the people. The miracle didn't take place from the prayer to the basket, but from the basket to the people. We, only when they started to break the bread and distribute it, then it started to multiply. After Jesus prayed, a, a thousand baskets did not manifest and then they handed it down. No. He prayed for it, put it in their hands, put it in their hands, and then he said, go. And as they started to give and distribute, then the multiplication started. Every miracle stops when we stop. When she stopped pouring the oil, it stopped. When, they, when everyone had read and they stopped giving, it stopped. As long as they would have continued to give, the miracle would have continued to multiply, 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 multiply. I believe that in the times that we're living in right now, that we can live in a time where we can consistently be in a miracle every day of our lives. Just don't stop giving. Let it just continue to flow and flow and flow. Don't get out of that. I experienced this thing in my life, and many of you are here. You're very mature in the spirit, and you will understand this. I experienced this over and over in my life where I look at my own life, and my life is a mess. And then I go into the presence of God, and I start to pray so that God would rescue me from this mess. But in His presence, I forget about what I wanted to ask. Because in His presence, everything is fulfilled. Suddenly, I have no desire anymore. That thing that I wanted out of His presence has no place in my life anymore. I came to His presence to pray for that miracle or breakthrough, but now I have no desire for that anymore. And then I can't remember why I came, why I prayed, because now I'm just enjoying His presence. And then I leave His presence, and then I sit with the problem again. I sit with the mess again. And the mess drives me again to go and pray. And then when I pray, I experience the same thing over and over. And so what I've decided to do in my life now is just not to leave His presence anymore. <laughs> just to live in His presence. And so the mess is still there, but I'm not aware of it. The mess is still there, but it's not bothering me anymore. The lack is still there, the need is still there, but in His presence... Everything is fulfilled. It's there. It's, I don't have any desire for that anymore. 
Because the closer you get to him, the more he becomes a reality to you. And your reality starts to disappear. Suddenly you realize what it's all about. The closer you get to him, the smaller the problem gets. And then you realize that I can't even mention this in his presence. It's completely irrelevant now. Just want to focus on him. Just want to enjoy his presence. Amen? Verse 7. Verse 6. When all the jars were full, he said to her son, bring me another one. But he replied, there is not a jar left. Then the oil stopped flowing. Verse 7. She went and told the man of God, and he said, go sell the oil and pay your debts. You and your sons can live on what is left. You and your sons can live on what is left. John, it says to us, John 10 verse 10 says that the enemy came to steal, kill, and destroy it, but Jesus came to bring life and life in abundance. The word abundance means every need, desire in my life is met and there is overflow. The word abundance doesn't mean I'm borrowing from a different place to fill, to fill another need. The word abundance means that I don't have any desire. Everything is met. Everything is full. And there is overflow. But I have experienced that abundance is never in the natural, but only in the spirit. Because in the natural, there is lack. But when I'm in his presence, there's abundance. There is overflow. All my needs is met. There's no other desire anymore. And when I'm in his presence, I live in overflow. And from his presence, I can give, I can operate, I can function. There's never, never a lack in my life. But as soon as I step into the natural again, and I'm confronted by what's happening naturally around me. I live in lack. I'm confronted by poverty, by challenges, by sickness, by disease, by all these natural things. God has called us to live a spirit-filled life on the earth. He has manifested His presence so that we can live on the earth in His presence continually. We don't have to leave this place. We don't have to step out of this place. The world does everything in its power to try to separate the two from each other, the natural and the spirit. To say, no, 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 you, you make Sundays spiritual, but then Monday to Saturday is natural. The world does everything to separate the two. God has not called us to be schizophrenic, to live two different lives. He has called us to live one life in the Spirit, continually. A life of overflow, a life of abundance. Now, in the Spirit, there is things that God wants to do, and every miracle is set into motion by what we have. It's never what we want or where we want to be. God takes what we have and He multiplies that. He takes the seed in our hands. He takes the gifting in our lives. He takes what we have, and he does something supernatural with that. He takes the person that people think no, nothing will come from their lives. He takes that person, and he makes something out of their lives. He takes something, and then with that, he starts to create the miracle or the momentum. Today, we're living in a time where the world has closed so many doors to miracles by laws and regulations. If you go to a mortgage today and you try to pray for a dead person, the chances is very good that you're going to get locked up after that. 
right? Go and try it and let's see what happens to you. That's very good. And so people cannot exercise their faith today anymore because of limitations, because of laws and regulations. You're limited to do certain things. I remember one of my first encounters in praying for the sick is uh, I went into a church and they did a miracle meeting and I ministered. And then when it came to praying for the sick, the pastor said to me, so where do you want to start? I said, what do you mean? A church of of 7,000 people and it was a miracle crusade. And so they they brought 7,000 sick people. And uh, he said, where do you want to start? In that corner, we have the dead. In this area, we have headaches. Here we have cancer. Here we have HIV. Um, Here we have minor things. Where do you want to start with the miracles? Anywhere. And so there was a time, and there's many nations that that are still there, but the majority of the world is not in that place anymore. I was sharing with Pastor Eric um, uh, yesterday how in a meeting that we had in South Africa, uh, a pastor um, prayed for someone in church, and as he prayed for them, they died. And uh, <laughs> this, the, ch- the church is on television. And so when he, when he moved to pray for the person, there was 10 cameras on him. And so everyone saw it, and then he prayed, and the person died. <laughs> and so there was that awkward moment <laughs> where... where <laughs> The cameraman didn't know what to do. Should they film it or should they, should they leave? What should they do? And so he died. And, he, and it was quiet. No one knew what, what to do. And I mean, suddenly, this is news headlines. This is going to be in, in the paper the next morning. Man dies in church after being prayed for. And so it's that moment. And he prayed again for him. And nothing happened. And prayed. And nothing happened. And prayed. And the longer he prayed, the more awkward it became. Because and so eventually people, I mean, people want to respond in a natural. They want to say, um, can we worship now or do something else? Let's shift the program. <laughs> Let's take up offering. <laughs> Let's do something else now. <laughs> but he just kept on praying and praying and praying. And then eventually the guy started to come back to life. But the majority of people will either run away or they would think about, this is the end of my ministry. Everything is closing right now. Yeah. <laughs> and so we are limited today in what we can do when it comes to that flow of miracles in our lives. We can pray for things, but when it comes to that level of miracle, now in the eyes of God, there's no a migraine and a death being raised is the same faith. Do you understand that? But we're limited today. And most of us, when you go into that room to pray for the sick, you'll start with the migraines. You won't go to the dead immediately. Although I've seen some of the greatest miracles in that zone. In that zone. Because very few people are willing to walk into that direction. And the thing is, when God moves there, He moves big. <laughs> when one dead person wakes up, He wakes up the next one, it's like dominoes. Next to Him. And so you just have to raise one. <laughs> the rest will come just to push for that one. When that one miracle starts to break. I remember. Uh, this specific man that I'm just talking about now, that when we started to pray for the sick, he would go in the room, he would go for the most impossible miracle first. He would go for the sickest person first, because when that breaks, everything else breaks. (laughs) He would not start and work it up. He would go for the, the biggest challenge, 
Because when that breaks, the level of faith in the room changes completely, immediately. So we are limited in that. Today we, we cannot really, even though we want to, you have to faith for it, but laws and regulations is limiting you from, from really advertising next Sunday, bring the dead to one course church, we're going to raise them. It's not, it, it's not possible today. It's very difficult to get a dead body. We've done that. It's very difficult to get the, the body from, from the hospital to the church. There's a lot of forms and documents. You have to know people and bribe other people to get it to the church. It's not as easy anymore to do that, to get them to church. It's, it's limited by laws and regulations. I want you to understand something. The world has limited us from functioning in the supernatural. There's one area that is still open, and that is our giving. Our giving is the only area in our lives that can still set miracles into motion. The world is busy closing that. Laws and regulations are becoming stricter and stricter, and there will be a time in your life, in your lifetime, where you will not be able to handle your own money anymore where it will be controlled, so much control that you cannot spend it without declaring a sin. It's closing. But it's an area that's still open in our lives where we can respond in the supernatural and do something without a limitation. Yet it's one of the areas today that the enemy is challenging us the most. The enemy is using our current comforts, our current positions, and he's trying to, to build our identity around what we possess, what we have. The first moment when you get up in the morning, everything is about the wealth that you have determines who you are. That's the world system. When you get on a plane today, there's economy, business class, first class. When you go and eat, there's different types of restaurants for different types of people. There's different clothing brands. There's different sizes of houses. There's different vehicles. Everything in society today is geared to, to buy into a certain identity or place. To separate you from others. To separate people from one another. To separate culture from one another. To separate languages, nations, citizenships. To shift them and put them in a certain class in a certain bracket. So that they can find their identity in that bracket. Amen? Let's read the word, <laughs> rather. Mark 10, verse 17. As Jesus started on his way, a man ran up to him and fell on his knees before him. Good teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good, Jesus answered. No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony. You shall not defraud. Honor your father and mother. Teacher, he declared, all these I've kept since I was a boy. Jesus looked at him and loved him. The word there is, Jesus looked at him and he was drawn to his desire. This man approached Jesus because he had a desire. He had faith in his heart. He took that faith and he was drawn to Jesus to say, I want more. And so Jesus recognized that faith in him. He was drawn to his desire, not to what he was saying. He was drawn to his desire. And so this man is saying, I want more. I want more. And he's saying, well, 
you have to keep the commandments. And, and you, we know today Jesus was raised as a Jewish boy, and that's the first response when it comes to keep the commandments. That's what they have to say. That's the right answer. And so now he responds. He says, I've done all of that. I've done it. And then he continued. Jesus looked at him and loved him, drawn to his desire. One thing you lack, he said, go and sell everything you have and give it to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come and follow me. At this, the man's face fell. He went away sad because he had great wealth. Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, how hard is it for the rich to enter the kingdom of God? It's contradicting to many scriptures because John 10 verse 10 says that Jesus came to bring life and life in abundance. So at one place he says, I'm giving you abundance. And then at another place he's saying, give everything away. Contradicting. So is Jesus confused? <laughs> Why does he say in one instance, uh, blessings overflow, expand, multiply, and then at another moment he says, no, 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 give everything away. The reason why Jesus is saying to this man, go and sell everything you have, is not because Jesus is against wealth and position, but because Jesus picked up that this man has found his identity in those things. And he's saying, I want you to sacrifice your identity. Because what you're carrying right now is a false identity. You think that is who you are. And so give it away. Get rid of it. And then you're going to find your real identity. You're going to find that fullness, that place of who you are. There's things today in your life that has formed your identity. There's things in your life that has formed who you think you are. Because of what you have, because of certain treasure and wealth, natural stuff that you have in your life. I'm going to be honest with you and truthful to you tonight. There's stuff in the natural that's limiting you from, from stepping into the supernatural because your identity is in that. No, Andre, my identity is not in it. Well, then give it away. When is, this, when is the service ending again? <laughs> That is the test. Are you willing to sacrifice it? Are you really willing to give it away? If you have to be honest with, you to, with yourself tonight, are you willing to give it away? Uh, Andre, well, I'm over 50, and you, know, you can give and sow up until 50, but then after that, you need to build an inheritance. I mean, who's going to take care of me? And so that's, that's, not, that's not where I am right now. I'm in an investment season of my life. <laughs> not sowing anymore. <laughs> There's things in the natural that's limiting us. It's limiting you from stepping into what God has for you. Not because God doesn't want you to be blessed, but because those things are dominating your identity. I'm sharing this with you because I, I've seen this over and over in my life where I have found my identity in certain things. And I realized at that place that the only way of getting free of this is to walk away from it. There's no other way. I'm sharing this with you tonight, and I'm asking you the question. There's a higher level. I wanted to, I wanted to speak tonight about the good, perfect, um, the good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. That's what I wanted to go into tonight. There's a lot of people today that lives the good will of God, but not the perfect will of God. The good will of God makes you a child of God, but the 
Perfect will of God gives you authority. Changes what happens and what you're capable of on earth. There's things that's limiting you. And where is it limiting? In your identity. Because your identity is in that clothes, in that car, in that house, in that land, in that natural position, in that jewelry, in that gold, in that silver. Your identity is in that. You think that is who you are. How do you know if that is controlling you? The way to know if it is controlling you is that when you step into it, when you wear it, when you drive it, when you fly it, when you eat it, does it change the boldness level in your life? When you put it on and it gives you boldness, it's false identity. Because the boldness should come from your identity in Christ. Your faith level should not rise because of what you possess but on the outside, but what you possess on the inside. And so you can wear it, drive it, fly it, but it doesn't have to affect what you carry. It is just a vehicle resources that's there to enhance the kingdom. That's only. That's the reason why it's there. But does it change your joy level? How do you know? When you lose it and your joy goes with it, it's your identity. There's a life that God has for you that doesn't matter what the world takes from you or give you. It will not affect your joy level. It will not affect your peace level. Because your identity is not, that's not who you are. God wants you to know tonight who you are and whose you are. Your life belongs to Him. And this is the thing with ministry. The longer you are in ministry, the greater the sacrifice becomes. Because giving is just the beginning. It's, the, it's the, like the bottom line of the food chain. It's just the beginning. Because there's a time where you will give and give and give and give on a greater level. You'll break that cycle of giving and you'll give, give, give cars, houses, property. And then you get to a place where God says you've put everything on the altar but now I want you to put your heart on the altar. Not possession anymore. Now I want, to, I want you to climb on the altar. A lot of people are still just at the giving level. They're still fighting that demon on the natural level where it's a challenge uh, to step out in faith and do what God tells them to do. This is just the beginning. There's a far greater place where God is calling us into but this is the amazing thing, that even though the sacrifice is greater, the level of faith is greater. In that moment where you step into that, immediately there's an increase in your faith. Immediately. God raises your faith to another level. Immediately. God is calling us to step into a deeper level. I'm setting you up for tomorrow night. I'm setting you up for Wednesday night. There is things that's limiting you tonight to step into tomorrow night. And I want to encourage you to make those adjustments in your life right now so that you can step into tomorrow and you can be ready to receive what God has. Your life is full right now and you have to make some room for God to move in your life. He's not going to enlarge your capacity or space. You are going to have to enlarge it. How do you enlarge it? You make room for Him in your life.
You have to take something out. The more I grow in the word, I have to remove something from my eyes to put the word in front of my eyes. There's an exchange that takes place. I watch less television and I, I look more at the word. I listen less to other stuff and I listen more to the word. There's always an exchange. And so God is not going to expand you, add more. There's exchange that's taking place where certain things in your life is taking your attention, your wealth, your time, and God's saying, make room for me by creating that space for me so that I can work in your life. Amen? God. <laughs> it's amazing that God knew that we're going to speak English. It's amazing. Even though there's Hebrew and Greek and many other languages, God knew tonight that we are going to speak English. He knew that we are going to have an understanding of English. He knew that. And so in His name that He created, He built in certain things. And the two things that I want you to realize tonight, people ask me often when they get saved, where do I start? Where do I start? Where do I start with the gifting? Where do I start in my giving? Where do I start? It's very simple. You start there with the two letters of God's name, which says go, and the other two that says do. Just start with that. Just start by going and doing. God knew that we're going to understand English. And so he put it in his name. Therefore, go. Every miracle is set into motion by a response, by doing something. As we step out, something is created and something moves. Amen? Thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoyed the message. For more information about One Cause Church, please visit us online at onecausechurch.com.